Hey friends, welcome to the Thrive Like a Parent podcast. You know those parents who look like they've got it all together? Yep, that's not me. I'm Dr. Brooke Weinstein, mom, widow, and neuroscience expert on all things sensory and emotional regulation. Yep, that's right. I'm here to get down and dirty on the truth behind parenting, education, burnout, neuroscience, widowhood, and the shit show we call life. So come join me for conversations with thought leaders, doctors, and women just like you who aren't afraid to speak the truth and help you find that silver lining between the to-do lists, shit shows, and chaos of parenthood. If you are craving the answers to finally find that sweet spot between chaos and calm, pull up a seat and listen in as I take you from burnt out and surviving to finally thriving. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Thrive Like a Parent podcast. Today, we will be talking about the idea of feeling like you're too much. And I may have talked about this before, but we're going to talk about it again. Why? Because it is such a core wound that I find so many have. And the trigger surrounding that affects our daily life in ways that you may not even recognize or in ways that are dampening your light and truly leaning into owning exactly who you are. I often ask potential clients, how do you feel and how do you want to feel, right? And they often say that they want to feel empowered or self-confident or in control, right? And the idea of control is just the same idea as balance, right? We can't ever really truly be in control. It's kind of like, do you ever really truly know when your time is up on this earth? Like, if you really understand that, then you really understand that you have no control, right? But that idea of wanting to feel empowered, self-confident, I'm finding that so many want to just feel comfortable and safe within their own skin. But what ends up happening is when you carry the wound that you are too much, what ends up happening is you then start this performative reality for yourself that you should function in a certain way. And so you start functioning that way and then your brain patterns to function that way. And it's really a self-neglect or an abandonment of self. And deep down, you may not be functioning how you want to function, or you may not do the thing, or you're afraid to do the thing, or, you know, you, you think you should be acting a certain way, or you present yourself in public versus private because your patterning has told you that is what you should do. I absolutely grew up in an environment where I was taught how to function, if you will, in terms of the social norms and community around me. And as part of my neurological regulation work for myself, I recognize that there is absolutely no way to regulate myself unless I show up as just simply me. And it is a hard one. It's a real hard one to break and lean into the acceptance of self and the acceptance of who you are and valuing, honoring, and loving who you are, 
even if your community or the society around you says, uh-uh, that's not how you're supposed to act. Now, I am going to give you an awesome story about a time when I was a little girl. And I, as you know, have been dancing since the age of two. And my mom would bring me to these dance conventions on the weekends. Now, I went to do two different dance studios growing up. The first one, my dance teacher relocated for her husband's job. And my mom felt it was best that we move to a different dance studio. And the dance studio that we moved to was probably the best dance studio in New Orleans at the time growing up. And my mom did that so that my sister and I, Lauren, could really grow and learn and strengthen our skills because she knew that it was such a love for both of us. And I cannot tell you what age I was. I don't remember this, but I was certainly young. My mom brought me and my sister to a dance convention And she brought my best friend, Tally, from the new dance studio and another friend, Katie. And we had the best, the best weekend. Like anytime I'm dancing at dance conventions, it's the best weekend. If you know this world, you're like, hell yeah, it's the best weekend ever. But anyway, during each convention, there is an audition to help the dancer feel what it feels like to be in a true audition as if you were in LA trying to be a professional dancer. You wear numbers and what happens is they do, you go like across the floor and you do like a little ballet combo and it's like six at a time and they say, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. So that's the first round. I made it through the first round. I was like, oh, I'll be damned. Second round is a jazz combo of some sort where they teach it to you really fast. They break you into really small groups. And again, you perform it for them maybe twice. Once the back line, once the front line, they say you're in, you're out. I made it through that round as well. And I wasn't one that did this very often in terms of getting all the scholarships and getting, you know, the high awards and all the big accolades. Like that wasn't Brooke. That wasn't me. And if you make it through all the rounds during the first portion of the audition, what ends up happening is Sunday afternoon, when the whole convention is over, they take that small group of kids who has made it through round one and two, and they put you on stage in front of every single person, parent and dancer who has attended the convention. I had never done this before. Okay. I was scared shitless. Like, pee in my pants, scared shitless. But nonetheless, like, here we go. What you are performing for or auditioning for is scholarships, scholarships to go back to the convention for free the following year. Another scholarship is to go to as many of those conventions as you can in different cities throughout the year, which means my mom would have had to fly me all over the place. The top scholarship of the weekend is like I'm talking top, top of the weekend is you get to go out to California and go to one of the dance studios that they're affiliated with and take classes for an entire week for free. And it's, it's like the holy shit scholarship. Okay. I've set up the situation on what is that stake here? Okay. So 
I practice all weekend, this, this combination, I, I, you know, close my eyes. I make sure what I used to do is if I could close my eyes and do it without opening my eyes while the music was on, boom, I knew I knew it. That's just how I did it. So I knew I knew the combination, but dancing on a stage in front of all of the professional dancers, and those are the judges, as well as hundreds of people who have been at this convention all weekend, that, you know, hikes up the fight or flight, you know, a little bit. So they call us up, they do a small, you know, the younger kids, the middle kids, the older kids, it was like junior, senior minis, all the things. So they call us up and somehow it took me a moment to get on the stage. You just come out of the crowd and like literally climb on the stage. And by the time I had gotten on the stage, all of the other contestants had placed themselves. And so I was in the back corner, very far away from the judges, and they could not see me. And I'm looking at my mom and best friend and sister, and they are looking at me like, scoot over, like, go over, like, go over there. Like, I'm like, how, how do you, what, what, do you what, what do you want me to do? Like, how, how can I get over there? Like, everyone is, they're like dancing and like freestyling with music, you know, dancing around. How do you expect me to go over there? Like, what are you talking about? So I'm smiling. This is like the truest brook you could ever get. And it didn't show up very often as a little girl. I all of a sudden decide to make this stage my stage as if no one else was on the stage. I start freestyle dancing and weaving in and out of all the different contestants who are like freestyling. I go over by the judges, I ham it up, and I make my way back to my little spot way in the back, right on like the five, six, seven, eight, boom, and I like hit it. Like I nail the combination. And I can't tell you, I am like hearing Tally and my sister Lauren and my mom and Katie, like, like scream crying, like scream hysterically laughing at the fact that I just did this because it was so out of character for me. We did it. I was in the back. Then we switched to the front. I nailed it again. I, I, I'm like shaking at this point from like the rush, okay, of fight or flight. Yes, absolutely. That's what that was. And I'll be damned. I won the top scholarship of the weekend. I won an entire week to go out to California and dance. And my mom did it. My mom took me one summer and I had the time of my life. I'm going to reiterate, I was not the best dancer at my studio, the new one that I went to. I never was the one who, who got at competitions top first overall for my solos. I was never the one in our dance actual dances. Like I was never the one that had the, the, the special parts or the one that was showcased, or I never had the highest jumps or as the most turns or the highest kick or like, that wasn't me. Okay. This, this was an anomaly. And I worked my butt off to be the dancer that I was back then. But for some reason, when I was on stage and only when I was on stage, people at dance competitions or conventions or things like that, they would come up, go up to my mom 
and say, was that your daughter with that big smile? Like we could not keep our eyes off of her. I would never get the top award of like best technique or this or that. Many times I got best emotion or or biggest this or that because the only place I was truly able to be myself growing up, it wasn't even in my dance studio. It was on stage where I felt untouchable, where I felt that I could leave it all out there. Like, why not? Because I was getting judged for it. And so I better give it my all. And I could do whatever the hell I wanted because it was my stage, especially when I did my solos. And I did not feel safe or comfortable to do that in the rest of my life. I also was in a relationship with Jonathan where I truly believe he was so incredibly sick that I was a mirror for him. And instead of him being his own mirror, looking at himself and supporting himself through either his own triggers or his insecurities or fears, that was all placed on me. And it was placed on me for many, many years. And I had grown up in a situation where I wanted to please and be the people pleaser. And so I learned that being from that weekend, by the way, from that weekend, I was given the nickname of traveling dancer. And so I'm saying that nickname because I wasn't the traveling dancer within my entire life, probably up until I started this life, this career, this job, and just putting myself out there and really dealing with what came back at me in terms of how I was showing up. In the beginning of posting on social media, I, every now and then, like I would drip in bits of vulnerability. And one day during COVID, it was probably three weeks in, Jonathan was at a treatment facility trying to get help. That is literally COVID, that shutdown, like that March mark, like that was the beginning of my solo parenting experience. That's for me, I knew when Jonathan attempted back then, I was like, okay, Brooke, this may or may not happen one day, or probably to be frank, will happen one day. And because of that, you need to function like a solo parent. And that was the lens I had even before Jonathan passed. And three weeks into COVID, I will never forget it. And I can't forget it because for some reason, Charlie picked up my phone and took a picture of me. I am telling you, I was hysterical, boo-hooing in a beanbag upstairs in the kids' playroom. And for some reason, Charlie decided to take a picture of me. And many months later, I chose to post that picture to help others know it's okay to struggle. And I, you know, really, it, it was a lot because it was brand new for me sharing emotionally and vulnerably and all the different things. So I reread and reread and reread the post and, and the copy that I was writing. And I posted it. And the backlash that I got from family and friends not from strangers, not from my community on social media, but from people who knew me the most. Um, One of my mom's friends messaged me and said, that is scary. You need to take that down. 
My mom was not very comfortable with it. Um, I ended up really honestly like freaking out, um, reaching out to my trusted humans. And I was like, I need you to read this. Was this really that bad? Like, this is going to like, and I had to sit through the discomfort of like, no, like, no, like this is okay to feel discomfort and for people to see the discomfort of others that may feel uncomfortable for them. But I was also on my own solo parenting for the first time with no one granted that picture, that moment was the moment where I decided I needed help. That was the moment that I decided I cannot do this alone. It was a huge, profound moment for me of saying, I'm waving the white flag. I made it three weeks on my own until I was like, okay, I need some help. And I found an incredible, our first incredible nanny. And I had a conversation with her. I was like, look, if you go down, I'm going down because if I'm going down, you're going down. So like, we're now a team. And if I get sick, you're going to have to move in and take care of me because I don't have anyone else. And if you get sick, you're going to move in with your boyfriend because you're both going to get it and I'm going to take care of you. Capiche? And she was like, got it. And we did it. Because back then, like those first few weeks, none of us knew what the heck was going to happen. But I put myself out there and I started showing who I truly was and saying, I get to be myself in every moment of my life, in every experience of my life, I get to show up as the traveling dancer, if you will. And that is not so easy to do because so many of us have this wound that we are too much. So many of us have been told to dampen our light. And I have to tell you, that's one of the reasons why I go down the rabbit hole of school so much and the current education system that we have, because we are teaching children that they need to sit and attend. And if they don't, they are bad or they are broken or they need medicine or they need a diagnosis or they need special education or they need some other circumstantial support in order to get them where the others need to be. This school system is not set up for children who have a lot of zest for life, who have a lot of craving for sensory stimuli. And if you're one of those kiddos, or if you were one of those kiddos growing up, you were probably told to calm it down a lot. And so if you get that message over and over and over, your brain is going to think something's wrong with me. I'm the one that's broken. I'm the one that needs to fix myself. And I just might be the one that is damaged goods. And I got to tell you, that's quite the opposite. Does it take time to release those triggers? Does it take time to release those patterns that you've trusted, honestly? Like it's the trust of others, right? Like we trust our parents. We trust maybe our teachers or we trust our loved ones or friends. Or, and if you're told over and over and over, like, that's not normal. That's not okay. Calm it down, slow down, lower your voice, stop singing so loud or, or made face it like whatever it is for you. Or maybe even your partner, right? Like your partner may not see your value and may not see all that your shine is. A lot of times we get into relationships where we put our best foot forward. 
why wouldn't we? We want the human to like us, right? It's our need for validation and our need to feel accepted. And so, so many of us get into relationships and long-term relationships and even marriages where they don't fully know us. When I showed Jonathan that side of me, didn't get it, thought I was crazy, literally thought I was crazy. He was like, you're batshit crazy. Like, I'm not kidding. Those words were spoken to me. And I was like, uh, at that point, I was like, no, mm -mm, I don't accept that. No, thank you. (laughs) But that's how deep this can go. And so the more you choose to abandon yourself, the more that lack of self-confidence, self-worth, empowerment will show up for you because you're living this for years. Is it uncomfortable to move through the process of releasing old patterning? Yeah. Where it was most comfortable for me is the ones who were closest to me. Mom, like hands down in front of my family, because they were the ones who told me I needed to be a specific way. Out in the world, on social media, in my home, or as a parent, like, I get to decide day in and day out how I'm showing up for myself. I've made that choice. I've moved through all of that for me. When I show up as myself and meeting new people or meeting new friends, I literally show up like this. Like, this is who you're going to get. You're not going to get anything different. Am I going to come to you as a brand new friend hysterically crying on my hardest days? Maybe not. That takes time, right? That takes time to build trust. But... What you see is what you get, and that's not something that can be switched overnight. Now, let's add parenthood on top of it, of thinking we need to be a certain parent or acting a certain way or the loss of identity within parenthood. You already were struggling with your identity potentially before you had kids. So then adding that to the mix is, that's why so many of us feel like we're drowning when we're parents. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I believe that if you understand your nervous system, your life will change. To understand your nervous system is to understand the human being that you are and to understand how you function and honestly to understand your path and goals in life and maybe even your career. The craziest part is that when I was in high school, we took this test that told us like, it was a bunch of different, you know, it was standardized. And so like you you filled in a bunch of bubbles and it was supposed to pop out like, what career you might lean towards or, or what you might be interested in or what maybe you should do as a career. That's the biggest crock of bullshit. I'm sorry. We should be saying, okay, how does our nervous system function? And if our nervous system functions as a seeker, maybe we want to have a high fast paced job because our brains crave that or they're patterned that way. Maybe if we're an avoider, maybe you want to be like a yoga instructor or something that's like more like chill rather than a lawyer or I don't know, an EMS, you know, understanding to understand your nervous system is to understand the deepest parts of yourself and be able to support the deepest parts of yourself. And I've got to say your value does not decrease based on someone else's inability to see your own worth. Does that take time to step into honoring your own value? Yes. Does it take time to own your shine? 
Yes. Does it take time to like, isn't that crazy? If you really think about it, it is like mind boggling to me that the fact that like we have to get comfortable and do work on healing ourselves to just simply be who we've always been deep down inside. I've always been this person always, but through experiences and, and, and life, I dampened that for many years. And I told myself I was broken. I told myself I was damaged goods and I was crazy. I cannot tell you how long I worked on that individual thought of you're not too much. You're not too much. And what we end up doing is we don't say the thing. We don't do the thing. We don't dance around the stage. We don't go after the promotion or we don't speak up in boardroom meetings or we don't say, Hey, yo, that's not right. Like we, we don't do the things because we're so afraid of other people, but that's not being all that you are and who you've always been and who you're meant to be in this life. And the less, I'm going to say it, the less fucks you give, the more authentic you can be. And now I'm not saying the less fucks you can give in terms of like, I don't give two shits about all you people go blow. Like I don't care. Like F you. That's not what that is. That's not a fingers up comment. It's this is the internal work that you're struggling with, that you need to check in with yourself, owning your own worth, honoring exactly who you are. Being too much will be your greatest gift. Being too much has gotten me to where I am in my own career. I got to tell you, when I was dancing on the countertops, I haven't done that in a while. I should probably do that. That's really fun. But all those reels that I used to dance on the countertops had a blast, like had a freaking blast. One time you guys told me that I should try sliding down the stairs, like the, the, the railing, and I did it. And there's a video but there's like a huge block at the end of the railing and it got me good in my hoo-ha. And I am telling you, I rolled onto the stairs, dying, laughing at myself, dying all because you guys are like, do one where you're sliding down the stairs. I was like, okay, why not? Like it is so much fun to own all the parts of yourself. And I do believe that we chip away very slowly when we don't honor exactly who we are, we chip away at that, that child inside of us. We chip away at the carefree human. We chip away at the joy and the liveliness and the fun and excitement. And we just become the shell of who we think we're supposed to be and who everyone else wants us to be. But is that making you happy? Has the societal norms that you've placed on yourself for so many years, has that done you a world of good or a disservice to yourself? And so the next time you get the opportunity to live boldly, do it. Do it and see how you feel after. Say the thing you want to say. Do the thing you want to do. Be the person you want to be. Oftentimes, what I work through with my clients is a fear of success. And it doesn't just need to be business or or, or finances. I'm talking fear of success in whatever form that looks like for you. We fear being that person because we don't have a crystal ball to know what our life will look like if we finally start stepping into ourself. And so we dampen that light so that we can stay safe and comfortable. But that safety 
is just protecting you from trying not to feel emotions. But we cannot control everything in this life. And allowing yourself to feel is part of being human, the highs and the lows. So go after the thing. Go after the thing that you have been fearful of going after. Say the thing that you fear others won't maybe agree with. Quit the job. Do something new. I don't know. Dye your hair. Pierce your ear. Like I, I Do what you want to do. Because at the end of the day, we have to be a mirror for ourselves. Just like I said, Jonathan, I was his mirror and I allowed that for many years. That was not a healthy dynamic. But when I became my own mirror, I then realized that the empowerment, the self-confidence, honestly, the control, just like I said, you can't control, but like I felt a sense of I'm in control and I have the ability to support myself internally and show up for myself and own my mistakes, like sliding down the staircase and whacking my hoo-ha. But sometimes taking a risk also gets you big rewards. And the craziest part about it is that risk is really, truly just simply being yourself of who you've always been inside. And when you look at it that way, it's not quite a risk. It's not that big. So stop dimming your light. Start singing loud. Start showing up, wearing the outfit, doing the thing you want to do. Live loud. Live boldly. Because your nervous system will thank you. And until next time, take care of yourself. XOXO, Dr. B.